This episode is brought to you by the first annual Virtual Natural Average Mother Runner Half Marathon and 5K Run. Wow, what a mouthful, but that is exactly what's happening on November 14th through the 15th 2020. First of all, I am so happy to finally put this amazing event together. And I am even happier to join forces with the YWCA, Northeastern New York in Schenectady, New York, because a portion of the registration fees will be going to the YWCA. And if you've been following this podcast, and if you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I am all about women empowerment. And one of the missions of the YWCA Northeastern New York is to provide programs to empower women and girls. How amazing is that? And this run is purely for fun, and it's virtual, which means you can run it anywhere a trail, a path, on the road, and even on your treadmill, although I would not recommend that, but you have the choice to do so. So how do you do this? You go to the link in the episode notes to register for the race, and anyone 18 and over in the USA, including Puerto Rico, can register. And when you register, you can join the Facebook group for all racing participants. The link is in the registration website. And here you're going to get all the support, accountability, and any updates on the race. Now on race day, you have the weekend of November 14th through the 15th to complete the run. You get to choose your day. You can either run on Saturday or Sunday, and you get to choose the time. So finally, when you complete the run, you can submit your time on the race page. So what do you get? First of all, you get to give to an amazing cause, the YWCA. You get bragging rights that you participated in the first Not Your Average Mother Runner race. You get to finish a race, which is a huge accomplishment, and a free t-shirt. Now, for the ladies that are listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I can never do a 5K, I can never run, I have it on my bucket list, believe me, I've been there. And I am giving all women that register for the 5K race a huge discount to get trained by me and be part of the training group. Now here, you're gonna get tons of videos and information to help get you to finish a 5k and if you know me I love doing my videos and you're also going to get 24 7 email support from me so if you're like in the middle of the night stressing out and saying oh my god Lisa I don't think I can do this I'm going to email you back and tell you that you can you're also going to get nutritional support race strategy And we're also going to make this fun. We're going to have weekly challenges to win prizes. But of course, the most important part of this is that you're going to get amazing support and accountability by other women just like you. This is huge. Do not miss out. So once again, virtual, not your average mother runner half marathon and 5K happening on November 14th through the 15th. 2020. Links in the episode notes to get more information and to register for the race, or you can go to the website at www.notyouraveragemotherrunner.com. There's so much goodness coming out for this event. Do not miss it. Welcome to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Not Your Average Mother Runner podcast. I am your host, Lisa. Be sure to listen to the episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. A new episode is dropped every Wednesday, so if, if you subscribe to those platforms, you will be notified when the new episode is released. And please, if you like the podcast, give me some love, write a short review. So this is uh, act two, because I did it the first time and I didn't record. I feel awful, but Dr. Nas is an amazing woman that she gave me a second chance. So <laughs> today's, today's topic is all about sex women and sex specifically. And I have here, as I mentioned, my guest, Dr. Nas. She is a licensed clinical psychologist through the state of California. And I brought her here because we talk about empowerment and sex is another area that we can feel empowered, but not many really talk about it. Well, I think they do, but they don't talk about it like Dr. Nas does. So before I fully welcome her, I want to read a bit from her bio, and it says, My Approach to Change. My aim is to help you find your own way through your personal recovery. Through psychology and therapy, my goal is to support you every step of the way as you break free from your habits and find your own voice. I will help you recognize and build upon your strengths so that you can overcome any obstacles you may be facing. I will offer you an effective and compassionate therapy plan, which works towards your goals and most importantly, at your own comfortable pace. Welcome, Dr. Nas. Thank you so much for having me and saying all those lovely things. And I'm so grateful to you for creating this space for women to reflect on what kind of a life they would like to curate for themselves. Because as I know, we talked about it, that at times women were not prioritizing ourselves. So uh, kudos to all the wonderful listeners that you have, that they are making this commitment to listen and reflect on what kind of a life they would like to create for themselves. Yes, I I read that because I don't always see that, especially on a website. Um, and you know, therapy is so so important, but it's even more important when I when I think of therapy, it's someone who is meeting you where you're at, but giving you that little that little push you know, to open your eyes a little bit, to maybe recognize some things and make some changes. And if that doesn't say that, that what I just read, I mean, I don't know. I, I read it and I was like, oh, she's amazing. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. And I agree with you. And I'm sure as a coach, you see the same things that sometimes we hear about these elaborate plans and that's not where we are and we feel more defeated. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm with you. That it's important to kind of like start with making a small wins. Uh, so yes. So you can work on toward your goals. Yes, absolutely. So why don't you start with just discussing briefly your background story? Sure. Um, so I'm a clinical psychologist. I was born and raised in Iran. When I turned 17, I was like, oh God, I, I really want to pursue psychology. And more importantly, I want to talk about sex. Really? And I cannot, yeah, I cannot have this kind of conversation if I'm staying here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I moved here and, and I, I fell in love with field of psychology and um, I work at different settings. I work at VA, hospital, inpatient, outpatient. And what really uh, drew me to this field and keeps me going is to the opportunity to see where wherever people are, they have this uh, ability to work toward their goals and they get better. And yeah, that's how that that's, that's why I do what I do. And I love, I think it's a, such a uh, rewarding career for me because I feel I can be a service to others. And yeah, so I worked at various settings and now I have my private practice, which is specifically help uh, women and couples who are struggling with sexual challenges. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're out of California. So do you do anything like virtual? Is it always like, oh, you do? 
Yeah, uh, thank you so much for saying that, Lisa, because right now, and we're, we're recording this in the midst of the pandemic, so all mm-hmm. of my practice right now is video counseling. But even before, I was doing uh, half of my practice doing video counseling because they do lots of um, international work because some of my clients are all around, around the world. And I found the work, actually, when it comes to sex, even more powerful when it's virtual because I think it takes a little bit of more courage if you're coming in in person. But sometimes people are more comfortable in the comfort of their home talking about some of those difficult conversations that it's hard for them to bring up in person. You know what? That's so true. You're right. Because you're, they're home. They're not coming to your office. And it, it's, it's, they're still in their home space <laughs> talking to you. So absolutely. I, I, I'm sure they're probably it's probably even helping them even more because they're so more open talking mm-hmm. to you about their issues. So one of the questions I asked you was, at what point should someone come to you? Great question. And it depends on people's goals. So I know you're an athlete. Uh, so there's like a two way of kind of approaching this. Uh, for example, imagine if you have an injury, kind of a sport injury, you would go to physical therapy to address that. Or you have perhaps your uh, health goals and kind of like wellness goal. And then that would be another time to go to a, a personal trainer or a runner, running coach. It's the same with therapy. So sometimes people coming in because there is something that's not working for them. For example, with lots of women at times, they share with me that they struggle with low desires. At times, uh, sex is painful for them. Uh, sometimes they had the history of trauma. And while when they're kind of to be intimate with the partner, their body is not ready for it. So that's one part, kind of sub subtype of clients that I see. Also, there are people that are like the runners at training for the race. They have a good enough uh, sex, but they want to elevate their and uh, improve their sex life. So they were going to think about we ha- we're doing well now, but I want to make sure we're having a more uh, soulful connection. Maybe we want to be more playful. There are things we want to incorporate in a relationship. Sometimes people want to open the relationship. So they want to kind of change the change things and improve things. But it doesn't mean that if you're going to therapy, you're necessarily having a, um, you're not having a good uh, or even great sex life. Okay. And what does it look like for a client to see you during an, ap- an appointment? So, you know, people think, okay, I'm going to go see a sex therapist. Does that mean she's going to watch us while we have sex? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, sure. That's, not the, that's not the first time someone said that to you, I'm right. sure. Right. Yeah. I always get all sorts of questions <laughs> that gives people pauses to coming in. And there are different kind of a providers when it comes to sex therapy. So uh, because I'm a psychologist, what I do is uh, I always do a free consultation with people like over the phone. We talk for 15 minutes because I want to make sure that I am skilled in helping you uh, with what you need because the field of psychology is vast. And I don't don't want to say I'm an expert in everything. So I want to make sure that the struggle that you're having is matching this uh, toolbox that I have. So that's, that is usually where we start. And then after that, what we do is we make an appointment, whether they're coming in person or they're coming in, we're doing a video counseling. Uh, people usually fill out some of their uh, kind of like the questions uh, that they have and like the answered on, online. So there's going to be forms. And when they're coming in, we're purely chatting. So uh, partly it's going to be me gathering information about their past. I want to really learn about people and see what's working for them and what's not working for them. Because um, sometimes people listen to this call-in shows and they think therapy is like that. Like I I tell people the two minutes of my (laughs) life and uh, the other person can tell me how I can transform it. And it's so not like that. I, I need to know who you are. And so I can tailor my approaches to those uh, those needs that you have. So it would be even uh, either like individual uh, sessions or couple sessions, people coming and tell me a little bit about their history. I always, even in my approach, uh, I meet people where they are as far as their comfort about talking about sex. Because for many, many people, this is a difficult conversation. So sometimes it takes people a few sessions to go really deep on what's going on for them. But uh, after I gather information, we come up with a plan 
on kind of how are we going to tackle this. And with sex therapy, part of it is like people doing the work in between sessions. So I'm not observing anyone. <laughs> or And it's completely cold on approach. But then people go and do their homework and they report back. <laughs> right. Um, because that, I mean, I'm sure people are thinking that, is she going to come in the bedroom? Is she going to be mm-hmm. with us, you know, and tell us what to do? I mean, I'm sure that's, has, you know, people have asked you that. For uh, sure. Yes. And people say kind of like, okay, is clothing part of it? So of course it's therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, that's funny. Um, okay. So let's get into it. This was like, All right. oh, this is the fluff. <laughs> um, so based on your experience, how do women view sex versus men? Do you think there's a difference? Dr. Nas. Definitely. And I think big part of it is because of how society teaches us about sex. Uh, even when, like, as young girls, uh, everyone in our society, and I think like I can talk about even Middle Eastern, all across the globe, that women are bombarded with images of what uh, sexy looks like. Like even when you're a little girl, the focus, we're using sex to sell things, like whether it's car or it's a product. And then what happened that research shows that that caused women to focus on constantly assessing themselves and kind of thinking, if I'm looking, uh, do I have a right kind of a look? So the, what, what it leads to is that for women to think about, okay, I, I, re, I re know what looks sexy looks like. I don't know what it feels like. So the focus becomes on uh, being desirable versus kind of like focusing on uh, feeling and excitement of sex. So at times I don't see that most of, most of the times, I would say. Like I don't see it with men. They know what sexy feels like for them. Uh, but for, for women, at times they are very disconnected with their sexual pleasure and they think sex is something that they do for their partner so most of the time it's at the service of kind of I want to maintain the relationship I want to have a quote-unquote perfect marriage and tell me how many times I have to have sex so I can meet that quota and it's not related to connecting with that sense of eros and their vitality that's part of them Um, so that's where I see the difference in men and women the other thing is men are getting really good good uh, at early age with knowing what they like because the society allowed them to think about their sexuality for in our culture we tell women that like good girls they don't look at sex sexual materials they don't think about sex so most women they don't know they haven't uh, uh, kind of like uh, watered this plant of sexuality and I think in order for you to be able to connect with your sexuality it's so important to uh, one of the sex therapists I love she says that cultivate your secret garden you got to have your own world of fantasy and desire so you can access it when you want to lean into your sexual self. Yeah. Yes. My God, there's so much to say about what you just said because, um, you know, with men and pornography, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like por- pornography ruined it for us, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, there's that side of it. And then the other side of it, what you mentioned uh, with the women is that, yes, we grow up with this. We all do. And then how do you break that? And I think that, you know, that what we grew up with as children and what was told to us as, as teenagers, that carries on as an adult when we try to have these sexual relationships with other people, whether it's a woman or a man, you know, it's just this, you know, this thing of, like you said, you want to be a good little girl. You want to be a good girl where no one's telling a guy or boy, you want to be a good boy. So you don't, you don't have sex until your marriage. No one tells a, I mean, some do, but no one tells a man that. And I think that women need to understand that you got to, you were brought into this. It was like ingrained in your mind. So Dr. Nas, how do you break that? How do you break those chains, that cycle? 
such an important thing you mentioned because I think you have the power of breaking that cycle because sometimes women coming in, even in later stages of their lives, they're saying that, okay, I want to have uh, more of sexual pleasure in my life. So that's something you can change it. I think the first step is giving yourself permission that like I'm allowing pleasure in my life uh, because sometimes uh when people are kind of grew up with those messages that our sex is not good or good girls are not kind of leaning into sex, then they don't allow their body to even experience uh, sexual pleasure. So I think most important thing is like to start with giving yourself permission to experience pleasure. There is no specific kind of people that they enjoy sex. Sex is for everyone. And this is something that's accessible to every single person to have a wonderful sexual experiences and have sexual pleasure. So I think that's the first step. The second step is gathering information because what I see and what I know about uh, sex education is like our sex education was very limited. And I see it in my clients who are from, coming from Caucasian background, all sorts of background, like Middle Eastern, Asian, no one's getting accurate. I mean, most people are not getting accurate sexual education. So the next step would be empowering yourself with gathering enough information so you can take steps to uh, empower yourself with kind of right tools and strategies. Yes, that the sex education sucks. <laughs> you know, um, it really does. It's 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 a textbook uh, talking about you know the organs, and you're thinking that the reason why you have that is to have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no one talks about the the pleasure aspect and the, and the sexual aspect of those the organs that you have, the sexual organs that you have. So yes, so let's talk about women trying to talk to their partners if they don't feel they're being sexually satisfied. And do you see if this is a difference if the partner is a male or female? What research shows that the orgasm gap is not as much when our people are in the same sex relationships, but it's very huge when they're an opposite sex. And because of the, some of the things we talked about, uh, men, usually they know what they like, they're comfortable around their sexuality. So it's easier for them to um, experience orgasm during sex. But many, many times women, that's not something that they prioritize it. We don't have the right tools to talk about it. Uh, so, um, so that's, that's, that's the second part of it that I think on the same sex or at least research shows that in a same sex relationship, that's not as much of an issue, uh, uh, but it's a bigger issue in the opposite sex heterosexual relationships. But what you can do about it, I think that's, that's what I want to focus on uh, because I think it's my experience when people coming into my office, when they tell their partner, this is what I want to, they say, of course, I would be happy to do it. But I think sometimes it's this challenge of verbalizing what you want. So when it comes to sexual communication, there is two parts to it. One part is your belief. There is the second part is the skills. Um, so we're going to talk about skills, but I want to make sure that people are uh, kind of have an accurate um, beliefs around uh, what's, what needs to be communicated and what's, what, what kind of like an accurate assessment of uh, what they want to uh, kind of what are some of the problem areas. First thing is I, I don't want people to think about that if if my partner and I, we are compatible, uh, he, he needs to know what I like. I think that's a huge assumption that people make and they're setting themselves for failure with having that kind of assumption because I think even as women, our likes and dislikes changes throughout life and no matter how skills or uh, in tune your uh, lover is, you need to share with them what works and what doesn't work. So no one is a mind reader. So I think that's part of it. And I think the other uh, belief that gets the way of people having this conversation is that thinking about in, in conversations and even in arguments, they're going to be winners and losers. And uh, if I, if I say what I want to say, it means like I'm either going to uh, kind of make my partner lose the conversation or it's going to cause conflict. But I think the focus needs to be in how we can resolve this issue. And I'm going to talk about the skills that is important to cultivate when you're having this conversation. First of all, the timing is the key. 
You don't want to bring it up in the middle of the sex if you haven't talked about it. <laughs> if something goes bad uh, or not planned, then like you just don't want to bring it up like right after sex. Like uh, so, the, we don't want to be uh, critical, obviously. Right. So the most important thing is kind of setting up a time to talk about these things that are outside the bedroom. Uh, some of the couples I work with, they have wonderful monthly check-ins around their uh, sex life. Some of one of my couples that I work with and. They gave me permission to share that, that they have naked happy hours that Aww. during this naked happy hours they talk about okay what works and what doesn't work for us and they just talk about their sexual life so kind of thinking about what would be a good time to have this conversation with, with my partner focusing on kind of like using i statement versus you saying that i rather do this or i would like to have more of this instead of saying that you're doing this and this is not working for me kind of like focusing on your part and your desires um the other thing that's important is kind of knowing and having some information about what do you want more of, right? So when you're going into your partner saying that I don't want this, uh, that's, that's kind of like put the relationship to stock point. So if you are kind of did a little bit of research that if I do more of this, whether it's kind of experiential that you're doing solo uh, sexual experience and masturbation and learning about your body, or you gather information of knowing what you want more of so you can bring it up a solution to your partner. So these are the few few things that comes to my mind when it comes to uh, kind of setting yourself for successful sexual communication. Yeah. So what happens if I don't know what I want? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's is that not a reality? For sure. And I see it a lot. And it doesn't mean that you cannot learn. Uh, so <laughs> one thing is that uh, they're going to be kind of like allowing yourself to gather information. So there are so many good online classes. There are books mm-hmm. uh, that people can read to kind of lean into how can I experience sexual pleasure alone? Mm-hmm. Um, some, so there are two categories of women, some women that they know how to masturbate, they're comfortable with solo sexual practices and they have shame about around that. Uh, but there is a group of women that they never even allow themselves to lean into that. So uh, if you are want to show your partner what you like, I think it's really important for yourself to invest on whether what kind of like masturbation or kind of reading about it on learning what, what works for your body, because every single single woman's body is different. Mm-hmm. Every single person's is different. And what works for, for one person, it might not work for the other person. And you brought up porn. And I think maybe porn is okay for entertainment, but definitely it's not sex education. Mm-hmm. So people thinking about, okay, the woman in porn got like, was like, she was uh, penetrated for two minutes and she had this wild, like multiple <laughs> orgasm <laughs> and what's wrong with me. And that's so uh, not accurate that like, it, it's like, if you want to learn uh, dr- uh, driving and looking at fast and furious. Mm-hmm. So that's completely two different things. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. They're lying. It's fake. It's not real. This is not how our body works. Um, Yes, that is so true. I I wanted to ask that because, you know, when I do speak, uh, talk to uh, other women about sex, that is one of the questions is like, well, I don't know what I want and how do I know what I want? But, you know, there are resources out there, resources out there that will help them. Do you think that coming to see you would be something that would be uh, beneficial as well? Absolutely. So sex therapists, as sex therapists, we teach people how to explore pleasure and we walk them through, okay, what are some of the steps that you need to do to, first of all, kind of like break these barriers that gets in the way of you uh, engaging in sexual experiences and doing masturbation. Or even if you don't want to do masturbation, there are tons of different things you can do to learn about your body. So that that's one way. But also kind of there are tons of good books and resources online that people can start with kind of like reading about those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you also said something about knowing what you have, like take a mirror and look down there. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, I don't think that women are taught to actually look at, you know, the genitalia and, and look mm-hmm. how it's structured and really that look at that beautiful body. And I mm-hmm. look at that part of your body because I have known some women who don't even look at it. Right. <laughs> so how do you know what, what, how you're going to get pleasure out of it if you don't even look at it and know what part feels good when you touch it? 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that gets in the way of people examining themselves and is it like looking at themselves is this kind of misinformation that like uh, we get from porn again, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, people, vulvas need to look this exact same way. Mm-hmm. And then if your uh, genital, your vulva looks different and there's something wrong with you. And then people feel shame around it and get stuck in this idea of maybe I'm broken, maybe I'm not beautiful. But if you are looking at yourself and even there are sources like books of kind of educational books and looking at it, you you understand that people are different. Your body is different. And what a great point you brought up with kind of like using the mirror. Mm -hmm. Even even you're not masturbating, you have to look at experimenting with different sensation. What does it feel like if I add pressure here? What does it feel like if I use this uh, type of stroke? because then those are the information that you can share with your partner so they can also help you with kind of having a better sexual experiences. So when we say sex, what exactly does that mean? And does that always mean that it must end with an orgasm? Definitely not. And I, I have a feeling that me and you are the same uh, wavelength with that because I feel like what what happens is many people think sex is uh, penis vaginal penetration. And that, and I need to have experience orgasm with that kind of penetration. And if not, there's something wrong with that. And that's a sure way of uh, setting yourself for failure in a lifetime. Because what happens is sometimes, uh, you know, at times that like, you know, maybe the, uh, there would be an issue with erection or uh, on that season of your life, for any reason, penetration is not available to you. So sex can be whatever that you want it to be. Mm. All right. So many of my clients, they have fantastic sexual experiences with purely outer course. They don't even do intercourse because that's not gives them pleasure. There are so many different ways that people can cultivate orgasm through Tantra. People can learn to do orgasmic breathing. That would require no types of touching. Uh, So I feel if you are kind of focusing on that narrow definition of what sex needs to be, then you are uh, depriving yourself of uh, exploring all different sorts of uh, sexual pleasure. And you brought up the orgasm. Orgasms are nice, but they are kind of cherry on the top at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are there's so much more inside to sex than uh, an orgasm. I know that we right now in the middle of the pandemic, there was this study that showed that many women uh, lost their orgasm, the ability to experience orgasm because of what's happening. At least that's what they found in the study. But people are having at times more sex because for them, sex is about connection with their partner. Sex is almost the only time that you, some some of my female clients engage in this playfulness and they can kind of lean into kind of like self-care. So mm-hmm. definitely doesn't need to be about orgasm. There's nothing wrong if if you want more, uh, more orgasm, different types of orgasm, but you get to define your sex life and you know yourself the best and you can engineer a type of a sex life that would be meaningful for you, whether it includes orgasm or not. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because I think that people need to realize everybody is different. And, you know, the, the, the best partner is someone who is going to recognize that and, and accept that mm-hmm. instead of criticizing. Um, so you mentioned, you kind of answered the next question that I was going to ask, which was, does an orgasm always, well, maybe not always mean penetration. Definitely not. And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, One misunderstanding that there are many women they have is that they think that orgasm needs to happen through uh, penetration. Uh, Studies shows that more than 80% of women, they experience orgasm with clitoral stimulation. Mm -hmm. And clitoris is the organ that most part of it is outside uh, the vaginal canal. And it's so it's, you need to A, be able able to stimulate it. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with you if you're not experiencing orgasm with and through uh, penetration. And there are people are able to experience different kinds of orgasm, whether it's through uh, kind of like different parts of bodies, stroking, uh, and kind of like paying attention to different sensations that can build up and create an orgasm. So uh, the, the next question I wanted to ask you 
And it's kind of like I was listening to your podcast in a couple of the episodes. I mean, you are very open. This is like there's no area that you do not go into in your podcast, which is probably why you're so successful. When we just said that, it doesn't always mean penetration. It can mean other things. How do you, like you're, you're speaking to some of these women and they're already having these shame and these guilt that they have already in their minds. How do you help them see this? I mean, does, I mean that I can't even imagine, does that take a long time for that to happen? I mean, how do you, I hate to say breakthrough, but (laughs) how do they finally say it's okay. I can get an orgasm in multiple ways besides Mm -hmm. just the penetration. How do you, uh, how do you approach that? Well, I think it's the most important thing is kind of thinking about is this way of thinking working for me or not? So if I've been kind of 30 years, 40 years, kind of hyper-focused that I need to experience orgasm through penetration, and that's the only way of doing it, and then your sex life is not where they are, uh, then that this way of thinking is not working for you. And I think I tell people, I'm, I'm glad you uh, you mentioned that we talk about broad, I, I talk about broad topics. I think um, there is so much judgment when it comes around sex. And many of this judgment comes from the society, from our parents, some of the this is our belief of the people that we don't even agree on, but we unconsciously and subconsciously picked up those beliefs. So uh, sometimes people have this fear of, oh, but what if I open up my sexual horizon? What if I turn to this like immoral, horrible person? I tell people it's important to know your values, what kind of a person you are and what kind of person you are not. And values like doesn't need to be necessarily even sexual values. So uh, for me, kind of empathy and justice is a value. And when I'm choosing to take action, I think about are these actions are congruent with these values or they're incongruent with values? And it could apply to your sex life, to relationship, all sorts of things. And then if if the, the kind of sexual experience you want to have, they're not incongruent with your values, then my invitation for people is to lean into it. And as we talked about, it's about taking small committed action. Mm-hmm. Kind of thinking about, I want to improve my sex story, the sex script that I have. I want to change it. Uh, the first step for me today would be, let me kind of read and see what kind of other kinds of orgasms are available to other women. What are some of other ways that I can uh, improve my sex life today? So that kind of would be kind of like taking in, maybe I start reading a book every month about orgasm or listening to a podcast or something. So you can uh, start moving toward that direction. I think uh, it's uh, what it requires for us to change our script is uh, kind of continuous taking small steps. So you can address it in therapy. You can address it with increasing your education, whatever feels, whatever is available with you right now. So, but it's important to kind of think about have this kind of assessment of what are my values and then what are the committed actions I'm going to take based on those. Okay. And is there a connection between how a woman feels uh, about maybe just about herself? Because I think about when women say that they're married and and they are not having a fulfilled sex life. Um, And I'm thinking, and they tell me they love their partner. And then I'm thinking, but they're thinking, you know, this is just the way it's going to be. I I love my partner. I'm married. I'm happy. I've got my kids. That's just something that's just not meant for me to have. Mm -hmm. Like what, is there a connection with uh, how they feel about themselves or even feel about their partners and how, and sex? Do you see that? Absolutely. I see tons of people who are really good roommates but they're not lovers anymore. And uh, it's then like later in life, they realize that they miss that and they want to have the spark in the relationship. I think it's important to have a good companionship. I think that's, that's important in life, but you don't want to kind of leave with your brother and sister and like siblings. And I think that's what makes us different kind of like when you're having sex with your partner, then that you create a different kind of energy in the relationship and that not, another way of connecting. Uh, so I think that's that's important for people to know that if you are in that relationship right now, you can change it. It's not going to be super easy, but you can change it. But I think whether you are pr- 
prioritizing sex through civil practices, masturbation, or with your partner, you deserve to have a good sex life. And there are tons of benefits connected to uh, being connected with your sexual energy, whether it's it's a source of confidence for people, it helps people with uh, kind of like uh, getting whenever we experience orgasm, tons of different uh, neurotransmitters get uh, secreted in our body. So it doesn't mean like even if your partner is not into it anymore, right? they're not interested in exploring sex, that the sex, uh, you, can, you cannot have wonderful sex life whether even if it means like having kind of solo practices, but I agree with you. I think it, the relationships that are uh, fulfilled sexually have different kinds of energy, different kinds of connections. And that's something that can be available to everyone who would like to cultivate that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So there is another episode that I was listening to and you um, mentioned arousal. Mm-hmm. And you discussed a little bit about what that means. I, I want you to let, you know, discuss a little bit about that so that listeners could understand what arousal is and why it's important. Mm-hmm. Such an important uh kind of point that you brought up because many, many people think about, okay, like we're going to maybe do it like two minutes of kissing and then I'm, I need to be ready for a, a penetration. And that's not how body works. So for many, many women, I know that your, your listeners part of them are women and many women, uh, it, it takes them, a, it takes us a while to get ready, our bodies ready for sex. And although our bodies are different than men, because with men with erection at times you can see it, but for women, there are going to be tons of changes in your body that might be more subtle, but you definitely need those arousal before moving into the next uh, phase of sexual experiences. Um, so what, what we have this rule in sex therapy that you need to focus at minimum 20 minutes on uh, foreplay and mm-hmm. what foreplay is, oral sex is not necessarily foreplay. Foreplay mm-hmm. is like getting yourself ready, could be like kissing, whatever you feel could be teasing. There needs to be that buildup because mm-hmm. like, especially as busy women, people are, we are a different state of mind and we're wearing different hats. Mm-hmm. So it would be important for you to give yourself some time to transition to this lover uh, kind of mode. And part of it is uh, kind of building arousal. So uh, with arousal, there are going to be changes in your body, even like with clitoris going to get more um, erected. So you will experience pleasure uh, more likely if your body is aroused. And again, it, it's important to kind of think about uh, how you can build arousal. Again, for some people are kissing, some people do sensation play, some people uh, kind of do a, uh, all sorts of uh, sensory deprivation, could be a number of different things. But I think the most important thing is giving yourself that time so arousal can build up. And the other important thing is kind of like paying attention to your body because sometimes uh, our bodies are not ready, but if you're leaning into this uh, quote-unquote foreplay, then you might be more ready. So I tell people kind of thinking about zero is like, I'm, I'd rather run a marathon and make love to my partner and mm-hmm. 10 is I'm so ready. If you're finding yourself that you're at five, maybe you, you want to give it a shot, telling your partner, honey, I'm right now I'm neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's kind of explore and see how things can possibly build up. Uh, because it's sometimes that people are, I feel like they don't give themselves uh, opportunity to experience arousal. Therefore, uh, it's just like they don't have the sexual experiences that they want. Yes. I, I often say it's like, warming up something like <laughs> putting it in the microwave oven for a couple of minutes, right. warming it up before you eat it. You know, you can't just mm. eat it straight from the box. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. That you're dropping so much great information, but I think that when we first spoke, I talked a lot about wanting to give the listeners, the women, this sense of empowerment when it comes to sex. Because I often feel that, you know, we, you know when we uh, go out and have sex and we just want to feel good, that's not looked good. That mm-hmm. we're, we're not seen as, you know, oh, she's a whore. <laughs> but with men, 
you know, that's not, no one, ha- no one says that, you know, or mm-hmm. if, I mean, it doesn't really, you don't hear about that. How can we, how can we break this? Like how, I mean, as, as far as the society, I'm sure that takes a lot, but as a woman, our, our own individual work, how can we work on ourselves to break those internal messages that have been ingrained in us? Right. And I, you're, you're right that the societal part of it, it's so pervasive. And you, I, I would imagine it would take several generations to change. But it doesn't mean that like we cannot change those scripts for ourselves. So I think it. Uh, sometimes I tell people like talk is cheap. So sometimes we say, well, I'll do this. And we're not taking action based on that. The first step is kind of prioritizing your sex life. What would that look like? So uh, maybe saying that 10 minutes every day, I'm going to focus on cultivating my secret garden. And what would that look like is maybe 10 minutes, I listen to the audio erotica. 10 minutes, I read an erotica. 10 mm-hmm. minutes, I do a mindful touching of my body. So whatever uh, you feel like uh, you have time to, uh, to dedicate to this, then I, I encourage people to do that, kind of prioritizing uh, sexual pleasure in your life. And the other part of it, kind of really focusing on uh, what what different sensations feels like in your body. Kind of one of the studies that was done in, recently in Canada, they found that women who practice mindfulness on daily basis, they can increase their sexual their sexual desire significantly, and then now that's part of the treatment for sexual uh, low sexual desire. And it doesn't mean to necessarily you need to kind of practice mindfulness in the context of sex and sexuality. Obviously, you can do that. But even if you're listening to the apps like Headspace or all, there's all sorts of meditation apps online, and kind of, so it will train you to pay attention to your body and breathing. And that will help you through your sexual experiences. So I think it's important to uh, kind of uh, dedicate time and also kind of starting some kind of a mindfulness practice so you can learn how does it feel like in your body. And I think the other piece of it is like uh, telling the truth to your friends. Because mm-hmm. it's it feels like you know socially we learn as women to uh, if we like something we're not kind of shy about talking about sex. Uh, people are not kind of like if you have a good sex toys that you love, mm-hmm. share it with your friend. The information that I got it like this. I I'm using this loop uh, because sometimes oh we so many women are struggling in private. So like they think about oh God what's wrong with me? Sex is painful. And if you have a loop that you like, if you have strategies that you like share it with your friends so they're not feeling they're alone i love that i love that i love that yes sharing that information with your friends being honest being authentic Mm -hmm. about it because you would be surprised you're not the only one dealing with that situation or have dealt with it so that you can actually give some good advice to your friends in regards Mm -hmm. to that that is perfect um i want to talk about so many things with you it's just like mind blogging right now. Um, but, and I hope that, you know, the door is open that I could always bring you on again. Um, because I think you are amazing. I, I've listened to your podcast. Um, and you, I saw the topics that you talk about and I'm like, wow, this woman is, we're talking about it. There's like no holds bar and I love it. Um, but I'm going to ask you my last question. What is one piece of advice that you think women need to know when it comes to getting their sexual needs met? Well, I think that one of the important things is, as I said, like give yourself uh, permission to welcome sex and sexual pleasure in life. And uh, one recommendation I have, and I know is there are some emotion in people, is kind of investing in your solo sexual experiences. One of the misconceptions that I hear from people, they think about, oh God, I'm a loser that I have to uh, use masturbation to get my needs met. But I Absolutely, that's not how I see it with many of the women I work with and they have successful sexual experiences. This is something that you're doing. It's a part of your self-care. You're doing for yourself. You are giving yourself a gift of pleasure. And it will empower you in your partner sex because then you know what it likes, or what it's like to get to experience sexual pleasure and what works for you. So that's my recommendation for women. I love it. I'm glad you said that. So glad you said that because I, yeah, you're absolutely right. We should be, why not? 
take care of ourselves as well. I mean, how are we supposed to know what feels good if we don't, <laughs> you know, do what we need to do for ourselves? Dr. Nas, thank you so much for coming on here. And I really appreciate you um, being here and just appreciate you in general, just looking at your website and just learning more about who you are as a therapist. I, I do have a background in therapy and I do know that not every therapy therapist is the right person for a client. And there's so many different kinds that are out there. Um, but you have such a very compassionate way about you. Um, even uh, as I read your bio, uh, you're definitely someone who is offering that compassionate type of therapy. And I really appreciate that, that you are this t- in this type of profession, this type of field for women, men, whoever uh, that they can go to. So thank you again so much. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I love your passion and information and insight you bring to your interviews. And it was my pleasure to be part of uh, this show. And thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. So where can we find you? I know I mentioned your podcast like a gazillion times. But <laughs> so <laughs> what is the name of your podcast? So my podcast name is Sexology. People can find it on iTunes, Stitchers, wherever they listen to podcasts. Um, I've been doing it for about four years on a weekly basis. So part part of the uh, format is interview because the field of sex, sex, sexuality is so uh, vast that mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm addressing all sorts of topics. So I'm going to talk about the things that is within my expertise and uh, occasionally and frequently I have, client, uh, I have the other guests and other researchers and psychologists who are also specialized in the field of sexo- uh, sexuality and sexology. Okay. And then you're also, you have the website, which is mm-hmm. through Oasis, right? Oasis to care.com. Okay. And I'll put all of this in the episode Thank notes. Uh, is there any place you are that people can reach out to you? You also on IG, right? Your Instagram. Yes. Yes. People can, um, I put, uh, I put like daily content in my Instagram. The handle is sexology podcast. So they can find me there as well. Okay, great. Again, thank you again so much for being on here. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye.